Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Learner's Corner. This is the podcast for lifelong learners where we learn from anything and everything. My name is Caleb Mason. My name is Todd Exenball. Welcome to The Corner, y'all. And today, we are going to be learning from Corey Easterday. Now, Corey works at Current Initiatives, and Corey is the Current of Ohio Director. He actually founded the Ohio Division of Current Initiatives. And we're going to be talking with him about some of the projects that he works with and kind of the impact that it's had on him and what he's learned through working there. And before we get to that interview, there is something that we've been, uh, we're sponsoring. It's called Together Conference. Now, Together Conference is a movement, it's a conference that's going to be happening in Akron, Ohio. Together Conference is a group of people who are coming together to begin to have relevant conversations, to have conversations that can occur in community with other people to be able to A, open people's eyes to what's going on, and B, begin to work towards solutions. Solutions about what? It's about race reconciliation. It's about helping people to be able to come together. Now, this is something that they're working on for Northeast Ohio, but it's not just for Northeast Ohio. This is relevant to everybody. Now, the conference is going to take place on October 28th. A couple of the key people that that are going to be at the conference are people such as Propaganda, spoken word artist, rapper, awesome dude. Taylor Gray will also be there. And Brian Kunkler will be one of the featured speakers talking at the conference. It's going to be a great time. It's going to also be a great time for us to be able to learn and to be able to potentially be a little uncomfortable and learn about something other than what we've always been used to. If you're looking for any more information, any anything that any questions you might have or wanting to know kind of what this is about more, check them out on citizensakron.com. Again, check them out, citizensakron.com. It's all there. Now, on today's episode, we're going to be talking, like we said, with Corey Easterday. Now, besides having a cool last name, Corey is a guy who honestly... He, he's two things. He he's a a thinker, and so he really. You just said about, two things and said a. Okay, well that's a letter. That's that can be one of two things, Caleb. A. He's a thinker, meaning he's a person who, who really does think through issues, and he really wants to be often. Uh, he wants to be on the right side of these things. But the other thing he really does is he he doesn't just think about them. He he does something about them. And so a big part of Corey's heart is just helping other people. He wants to be a servant leader. He wants to be somebody who's out there moving and shaking and doing things to be able to impact and help people in his community. That's why we were so excited to talk, to get an opportunity to talk with Corey. And we're going to join our conversation with Corey right now. Well, welcome to the Learner's Corner, Corey Easterday. We're so excited to have you on the podcast today. Hey, guys. I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Corey, before we get into what we're going to talk about today, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on with you right now? Sure. So currently, uh, I am the director uh, of Current Initiatives uh, here in Ohio, and Current Initiatives is a nonprofit that is based in Tampa, Florida, and uh, I basically run the Ohio Division of Current Initiatives, uh, and that includes uh, the Laundry Project and Affordable Christmas are the two main initiatives that we focus on. Uh, in addition to that, uh, I work in donor development at First Glance Student Center in Kenmore, uh, which is a neighborhood of Akron. Uh, and First Glance Student Center has been in Kenmore for coming up on 17 years and is an incredible community-based nonprofit. We have close to 1,000 students a year that will come through about a dozen different programs. We have Man Up, Ladies Night Out, just a bunch of stuff, uh, Rec Night. We'll see 200 kids roughly on Thursday nights, uh, and it's just a good it's just a good uh, good organization for the for the Kenmore community. So uh, between both of those things, uh, definitely find a way to keep busy. So, well, we're so excited to have you on the podcast today. And one of the things that we want to talk with you about is really just taking you know the idea of taking what you learn and you know that's why we have the Learners Quarter podcast because we love sure. to learn. But taking kind of what you learn and what you know. <laughs> And actually applying it and living it out. And, you know, um, you went to Malone University, which yes. our co-host Todd Bang Rang represent, and, <laughs> and you graduated um, a couple of years before he did. And you know, you were you were talking before we were recording of how 
you know, you were you were sitting in Malone and you were learning all this theology and even, um, you know, in Christianity, you know, we have these beliefs and we have this theology and like everything that we know, but you weren't content just to let it be something that you know, something that you've learned or like theoretical, but actually practice and live it out. And kind of what led to that desire in you, not to just keep it in like the head, but moving it out into your hands too. Sure. So I grew up uh, in Ohio, lived in Northeast Ohio my whole life. Uh, I, I grew up in Barberton uh, for most of my life and then came to Canton, obviously, to go to Malone. And within my story growing up as a kid, uh, my family struggled a lot. Uh, definitely grew up in a poverty situation. Uh, parents got divorced when I was really young. Um, dad was removed out of my life close to the age of, of 10 or 11. Uh, I can remember the night that it happened and he and my mom getting into this uh, insane fight and he actually tried to uh, kill himself, to harm himself in front of us and was taken away. Uh, and I saw him maybe two or three times over the next 10 years. And so uh, I started going to a youth group in Barberton at Barberton Evangelical Friends Church. Uh, so I guess you would say I come from those Quaker roots. So it was probably destiny that <laughs> I ended up at Malone, uh, but uh, in all seriousness, that is how I ended up at Malone because a lot of people I met through that experience uh, coming up in the church during a very extremely difficult time in my family's history, um, those folks went to Malone or knew people that went to Malone, and that's how I got introduced to the campus or to school there, and uh, it's kind of a miracle, I feel, that I ended up at Malone. I was able to go there. Uh, I was the first one in my family that I'm aware of to actually graduate college and, and kind of complete that journey. And obviously we didn't have a lot of money, so uh, I had a lot of people helping me figure out ways to, to be able to afford a school like Malone. And I knew from my background, from my family's history of, of going through struggles, struggling to pay the bills, struggling to make ends meet, going through uh, just tough situations within the home, um, I, I knew that uh, when I found a, a safe place and a refuge at that youth group that I wanted to give that experience away to other people. Mm -hmm. So when I got to Malone, it only made sense for me to major in youth ministry. Uh, I was also in a band uh, that ended up being for about seven years. I was in a band in high school at the time, and so I wanted to do a music minor as well. But the more I, I dug into wanting to learn about my faith at Malone, wanting to figure out ways to give back to the community or be there for people uh, in a similar fashion that people were there for me, uh, I started to piece together a lot of things I was learning in theology class about God, about the nature and character of God, about Jesus, about about following Christ, uh, and it, you know it all came to a head. Uh, my I would say around my junior year at Malone is when really all this uh, started that we're kind of talking about today. Um, my family at that time was was homeless. Uh, my mom and my sister, because uh, my dad's out of the picture, um, but my mom and my sister were without a place to live uh, pretty suddenly uh, over, over winter break my junior year. And I can remember having to go stay with a friend, uh, a pastor uh, that I still to this day don't even really know who it was, but just anonymously kind of helped my mom and sister out, put them up in a hotel for a month. And that was a big turning point for me. Uh, obviously, it's a very low point for my family, but that was the time when I really started to piece together what I was learning about God and the, the things I had always had kind of a passion for to help other people and figuring out how they really interacted with one another. And, uh, you know, just through that experience, through being in those classes, through, you know, starting to uh, actually through one of my community-based cross-cultural classes, going to Refuge of Hope on a regular basis, which is a homeless shelter in downtown Canton, and getting to know stories of people there, talking to them. Uh, and eventually that summer of 2010, my dad passing away very uh, unexpectedly after we had just started to reconnect um, we were we were estranged from one another for a long period of time but he was reaching out and we were starting to to try and meet up and reconnect and he passed away suddenly so 
that combined with what my mom and sister were going through, combined with my classes and experiences I was starting to have uh, getting out in the community, getting out of my comfort zone. I should also mention that I was able to work for Young Life my freshman year at Malone uh, at Timken High School, being a part of Timken Young Life, and that was a huge thing for me too. So piecing all of it together led to these revelations about how can I take what I'm learning in classes and put it out into the real world. Mm-hmm. Why? I mean, I guess, like think thinking about that, you know, and there's there's very much the theme of, you know, Sorry, I can't hit the table. So listening to your story, you know, there's very much the theme of, you know, action and living out your faith. Like what are some of the intentional things that you've had to do to focus on living your faith, living out your faith? Because I don't think that's something that we naturally do. I think we like to keep it in our head a little bit. Yeah, I know what you're saying. It's easy to compartmentalize just as human beings, it's easy to compartmentalize what we believe and uh, how that comes out in daily life, you know? Uh, but I was reading a book within the last couple of years by Donald Miller, uh, and the exact title of it is gonna escape me, unfortunately, um, but uh, it was all about uh, living authentically Mm -hmm. And the whole thesis, as I understood it, was how do we take who we are on the inside and who we are on the outside uh, and integrate it? So become the same person on the outside that we are on the inside. And where I think that relates to what you're saying is all those beliefs, uh, faith, you know, everything mentally that we associate with the Christian faith or believing in Jesus or following Jesus the question for me at the time was how do I take all those things and match them up with my lifestyle, what I'm doing kind of on the outside as well, who I am, how I treat people, the things that I engage in. And I was lucky enough at the time after going through a lot of terrible circumstances kind of seemingly all at once to find myself in places in the community where other people were doing that, other people were living out their faith. It was like breathing for those people. You know, they, uh, they had completely made that connection of who they knew Christ to be and who they knew Christ to be in their own life and then what they did to, to make that a lifestyle and live that out with other people. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's, there's, part, or there's something inside of us that, you know, we, we hear about, you know, the laundry, project, the laundry project or we hear about poverty or we hear about, you know, homelessness. And we just think that it's so big that there's there's nothing we can do. Like, why why do you think that is? Like, why do you think we have a hard time thinking that we can be a part of the solution? Yeah, I totally get what you're saying, right? I remember, uh, even though I grew up in familial circumstances where we were having to go to soup kitchens and we were, you know, we were having to live out some of these realities, and uh, I can still remember as I learned about stats, as I, as I got out of my head out of just my own family situation, but as I started to learn about the scope of, of poverty, of, uh, of homelessness, of um, people just, just struggling on a daily basis, I can remember really being uh, depressed or feeling apathetic or feeling like I'm just a drop in the bucket here as a person, what can I do? But what really started to help me out with that is the person that founded Current Initiatives. His name is Jason Sowell. Uh, he's one of my best friends. He's a mentor. Uh, he's also my boss, so it helps to when a great friend is your boss also. Um, but I can remember listening to him talk about a concept of quit trying to change the world and focus on changing the life of the person in front of you. And my big takeaway with that was it's very easy to get overwhelmed by the scope of all these issues. But if I can be proactive and present and engaged with the opportunities that God has put in front of me, with the people that he's put in front of me, I think that's where we see a huge difference uh, start to be made. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as, as we were, you know, preparing for an interview, you know, one of the things that we talked about 
is that you know you have you have your theory and you have your knowledge, mm-hmm. and then whenever you actually get on the ground and you interact with people, you find out that things things are different than you know your than what you thought that they were. Right. And so you can't necessarily take your knowledge and live it out because it's a different experience than you thought so, that you've had to experience. And so what are like what are some of the things that you know that you thought you knew and then you got on the ground and you thought you know what this isn't like i can't do the theory anymore because of things are different does that make sense yeah i think so i mean just talking about the difference of knowledge and experience uh another another mentor of mine um i was a part of a church called love canton uh, for a long time and one of the one of the folks that that helped to uh to, to found love canton his name's Brent Barger. Uh, he's in Lexington, Kentucky now, but uh, he would talk to me about that, and he would talk to me about that concept of it's 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 a continuum. So you're getting all this knowledge, but obviously, just as you know, the Bible talks about you know faith and action and that dynamic. If you just keep all that knowledge to yourself and you don't do anything with it. Uh, or even as Paul talks about, you know, if we don't have love, if we don't attach love and, and how love works itself out to these things, you know, kind of what's the point. But on the other hand, uh, you know, if you have all these experiences and you're going out, but you're not processing it or learning, you know, so there's a, there's a continuum there. There's a dynamic. I remember him teaching me about where you don't wait until you have the knowledge to, to go, you don't wait until you have your stuff together or you feel like you can wrap your head around what's happening to go. And then as you're going, you also, you let yourself learn, you let yourself make mistakes and fail and try again. So in my journey, I've far from, I'm far from perfect. Mm -hmm. I've not done things perfectly as I've set out to help people. And I know a lot of people that would say the same thing. But the point is that they did it. They went for it. They didn't wait until, okay, I know what the solution is. I know what my part is. I know how I can help. They put themselves in the environment and in the atmospheres uh, to, to learn, to experience and learn at the same time. Uh, so, so, yeah, I think, I think there's, a, there's a back and forth. You know, I think they really work well together, knowledge and experience. It's kind of like that idea that we find in the book of Jeremiah, right, in the Old Testament, where God calls Jeremiah to go and preach to the, to the nation of Israel, to, that, to, to those people. Well, Jeremiah is a kid. I mean, the Bible tells us that he's young. And, and, and so, obviously, he wasn't fully equipped and fully ready by the standards of the people around him. But yet, you know, he was being called to, to go and do anyways. Um, so it's kind of that whole idea of, of, of going with what you have and simply helping, like you said, the person in front of you. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's great. So, you know, thinking about, you know, theology or thinking about, you know, what we've learned, do you think that's like, is that still valuable if we don't live it out? Oh, it's a thousand, yeah, a thousand percent. I mean, uh, I'm somebody that I will, I will consume books and podcasts and I've just loved learning my whole life. I love learning from a variety of sources. I love learning from people that think nothing like me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always valued that. Um, I've always seen that kind of connectedness and where there's shared values and shared ideas and have always really uh, really been about that. And you know, if it weren't for knowledge or you know taking our experiences and processing them or filtering them through through learning and growing as a person, you know, and, for me, at the end of the day, it just comes down to uh, keeping an open mind, being willing to grow and evolve as a person, learn new things. You know, my thing is, I know I'm not going to get it perfect. I know I'm going to make a ton of mistakes. But if I can be open to changing and growing and, you know, doing whatever it takes to be able to empower people and kind of be who I know I want to be and who, I, who I'm called to be as a person... You know, I'm all about it. And knowledge is just a, a huge part of that. You know, mm-hmm. we, we absolutely need knowledge. We need to value learning and, uh, you know, processing our experiences and learning from other people's perspectives also. Mm-hmm. So t- tell us a little bit about like the Laundry Project and what that is. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. So the Laundry Project, uh, the reason I got into that, uh, tying it back to just my story coming up through youth group is... Um, 
excuse me, um, we we did this thing at youth group uh, growing up where I remember I think we did it once or twice. We took just baggies of quarters and we drove around to local laundromats and handed out change to people to help pay for their laundry, just a small practical thing. And I can remember as all this was happening in my life in college, uh, as, as I felt sort of that kind of chaos in my life and trying to make meaning of it and figuring out what to do, I remember thinking back to that and thinking, you know, uh, this could be a real practical way for me to take my desire to put all these classes, all this knowledge into action and, and do that. So uh, I, I, I turned to the community that was around me, uh, the same community that was there for me when my dad passed away, the same friends that became like family. I turned to them with this idea and they really helped me shape it. You know, we started collecting change on campus. We started going out in cars together to local laundromats, uh, getting kicked out of a few laundromats, quite honestly. Uh, you know, just trying to do what we could. And a friend uh, eventually sent me, that had been on these trips, sent me an article, sent me a link uh, from the St. Petersburg Times about this organization called Current Initiatives in Florida that was doing a really organized event called The Laundry Project. And so I contacted Jason, who I mentioned earlier, and said, you know, I'm trying to do something somewhere in Ohio. Could we chat? Not really expecting to hear back or hear anything. You know, I'm just a college kid in Ohio, and he's the head of this organization or whatever. But he got back to me right away, and that really launched us into a great relationship and, and mentoring and coaching. And, you know, the Laundry Project itself, uh, we basically work really hard to meet a tangible need of washing clothes and linens for families. So... Uh, it relieves a financial burden. It helps families to afford other things like groceries or to pay their electric bill, things of that nature. Uh, we've had that comment many times from families, you know, great, now I can afford this or now I can do this because I don't have to worry about laundry. And especially if you're a single mom like my mom was or you have, you have kids or, you know, big family, uh, laundry can pile up for months and months. And uh, you know, there's just so much associated with it. We have stories of kids, you know, parents not wanting to send their kids to school. I've had several teachers talk to me about that uh, because they didn't have clean clothes. And so there's a real strong dignity piece attached to it. Uh, you know, so there's an educational factor. People not being able to go on job interviews because they didn't have clean clothes. Uh, you know, bed bugs, you know, from no clean sheets, just it affects so much of our daily lives and it's something that's easy to take for granted. Uh, so just meeting that tangible need for families in the community, but then also creating a third space where we're able to uh, hopefully create that same family environment that I grew up in that led me to where I'm at. You know, I had crazy family circumstances and if it weren't for a lot of the people that were in our lives serving as that spiritual family, that secondary family, you know, in the church or at school or otherwise, mm -hmm. I wouldn't be where I'm at. So that's the environment we want to create laundry projects. You know, we're there, laundry's going, people are having conversations, we're getting people connected to one another in the community. And it's a space where no matter who comes in, they know that they're valued, we affirm their dignity, and we try to empower them through clean clothes uh, and through relationships. Can you talk to us a little bit more about that third space that you mentioned and just the importance of it and why it's why um, why it's such an important part of kind of what you guys are trying to accomplish? Yeah, honestly, for me, it's everything. You know, that, that third space, that opportunity for the Holy Spirit to work, that opportunity for people to get connected. I've taken uh, just, you know, I've been on, I've been on, worked for several churches or, uh, you know, have been, been in a lot of spaces where I've taken a lot of personality tests or Myers-Briggs or just DISC, uh, you know, a, a, you know, five-fold ministry test, just all these types of things, uh, Enneagram, you know, let's sit here and name all these tests, um, uh, just to work towards that, that kind of self-awareness. And what I've learned about myself that I value is connectedness, uh, big time, connectedness, restorative, um, you know, and that comes into play with the family thing because, I, I've learned that I tend to see how things and people and places can, can be connected. I try to look on the positive side of that. You know, certainly I'm someone like, like many people that can struggle with, with cynicism or depression or 
just kind of seeing the negative parts of the world. Uh, I absolutely struggle with that. But when I'm in my best self, when I'm really tapping into who I feel, you know, I was, I was kind of made to be, I'm able to see the positive side of that. How are we all connected? You know, what does it mean to be a spiritual family? Things of mm-hmm. that nature. And that's why I'm passionate about it, that third space, because, you know, if it weren't for the, the churches I came up in, like, you know, I always, I always go to Love Canton as an example. When I was there, that was a church that became like a huge spiritual family to me. Um, the pastor, Jason, the pastor at the time, sorry, uh, Jason Lance and his wife, Susie, uh, became like a surrogate mother and father. And I had a lot of people functioning that way for me in my life. And honestly, I could name dozens and dozens of people that I considered spiritual moms, dads, brothers, sisters. Uh, and, you know, that, that family space, that environment, I started to see it. You talk about learning theology and putting things into action. I started to see it the more I dug into scriptures and, and dug into theology as the most practical outpouring of the gospel as what the church was designed to be in the first place is that that spiritual family mm-hmm. you know i always i always felt like you know the more the church was able to function as that the more good news we had to offer to people not a part of the church that you know want to feel that sense of family want to feel that sense of belonging and so when we do laundry projects that's exactly the type of environment we try to we try to foster is you can come there and you can feel connected and you feel genuinely cared for and you feel like you're a part of that family uh, and for me that's a very that's a very personal concept are there some tangible things that you guys try to do to, to create that like at these events or at whenever you're doing that is there anything tangible that you guys work on doing yes absolutely so when we work with our volunteers so we work with a lot of area uh, churches, businesses, individuals, uh, and I should say too for the laundry project. You know, uh, we've been, you know, we've been blessed to be able to do uh, currently projects in Columbus, Cincinnati, Akron, Canton, Barberton. Um, we've done them in lots of places in Ohio. So when we're in those places, we work with local groups, uh, like I said, businesses, churches, and, and stuff like that, and we train all our volunteers that are going to interact with families. Uh, the same way in that yes we're meeting a tangible need and yes there are certain tasks you know we call the laundry project organized chaos Uh, so you know we want it to be a positive experience for the families part of that is us having ourselves organized so that they're not having to worry about all these extra things so that I would say is definitely a tangible way we help foster that free the families up to just get their laundry done and connect with people Mm -hmm. But then in coaching the volunteers, it's always the two big words uh, for me are having a mentality of dignity and empowerment. Mm -hmm. So if you have the mentality, and I firmly believe this, and this kind of goes back to what uh, what my friend Jason Sowell would talk about uh, in terms of changing, you know, the life of the person in front of you. Um, And to to be clear, uh, you know, when I'm talking about empowerment and dignity, I don't view it as okay, I now am going to help this person and change their life. I think you flip that on its head and the most empowering and dignifying thing you can offer to someone is to, as you guys have set up with this podcast, what what can I learn from you? You know, how can we be in mutual relationship where there's a give and take? So when we're coaching volunteers, it's not just, okay, you know, we try to really discourage that type of savior mentality of, Mm -hmm. you know, you're not coming to change these families' lives, so to speak, or to, uh, you know, teach them all the things or, you know, you're here to engage in mutual relationship and to look at the family uh, that we're helping or, you know, to look at each other really as you were created in God's image. You have that Imago Dei. And because of that, I want to affirm that in you. I want to affirm your value and your worth and your sense of dignity. And part of that is that just that humility. You know, what can I learn from you? What do we have in common? What can we share? And that ultimately, so meeting that need combined with that affirming dignity, I think that creates a very empowering experience for families. Because from my own background, I can remember experiencing uh, charity that was well-intentioned, but ultimately made myself and my family feel less than Mm -hmm. and I've had other families I've worked with in the community communicate 
similar things to me about experiences they've had. Uh, and I've also seen charities and experienced charities and, and nonprofits and community-based organizations growing up where it empowered me. It said, Corey, you have potential as a person, as a leader, as a human being. Uh, that's one of the things we even say at first glance. We want to encourage the potential of our students. Uh, we want to become their family. We want to empower community. You know, So people that did that for me, that's what we try and do at Laundry Projects and at all our initiatives is that's a very empowering combination to say, you know what, I'm more than my circumstances. Uh, I'm worth it. I have value. I have dignity as a person. And just because I might be quote unquote needy, mm -hmm. that doesn't mean I'm not needed. Mm -hmm. And I can't take credit for that. Uh, uh, an organization that I'll bring up when we talk about Affordable Christmas, uh, Mission St. Louis. I spent some time with them and a person I met there named Darren uh, he started another nonprofit in St. Louis, and he came up with that phrase, needed, not needy. And I definitely hold that true to what we try and do. You know, it really, it it reminds me a lot of, you know, if you hear people go on missions trips, you know, a lot of the times they'll say, you know, I went there, I went there to help them. Mm. And I ended up being more impacted than, than they were. Or I, I got more than I thought I gave. And it just reminds me of, you know, what you were saying of that, you know, having that mentality of dignity and empowering, it it just reminded me of just thinking like whenever we're serving someone that I'm not serving someone who's less than me. As you said, we're all made on the image in the image of God and that puts us all on the equal playing field. And so, you know, it just made me think of, you know, as you're as you were going through that experience with the laundry project, you know, how, how did that impact and change you? Because I can't imagine that you go through something like that and it not have an, an incredible impact on you. Yeah, for sure. And one of the things hearing you talk about that, I want to point out too, that I think is really important to this whole concept. Uh, Todd was asking about tangible things that we do. One of the big things we started to do, and I noticed as a really simple way to create more of a sense of dignity and empowerment, is if you come to a laundry project, there are so many families we know that honestly, like they could, they have before and they could lead the project or train volunteers or do this and that. In that, you know, I'll go there and so many families are, how can I help? What can I do? What can I take on? And I just think creating those environments, some of the best nonprofits I've seen that um, really have a great impact in their communities are the ones that look for the tangible ways that, that those there, uh, they create the nonprofit for, so to speak, can, can get involved and give back practically. And I think when we do that, that's people's natural response, you know, is what can I do to be a part of this when you create that sense of community? Uh, I'm almost even hesitant to talk about ways that I've been changed or ways I've been affected because, uh, and I'm an extroverted processor, so you know I, I kind of yeah I kind of I kind of think things through as I as I talk about them, which can be a blessing and a curse. Uh, sometimes my my wife will tell you it can be more of a curse um, for communicating, but I think Caleb says that about me. yeah. I almost wonder if that's part of the issue is even that mentality of you know I got so much more than I gave. Because to me, and I'm not saying this is what you were saying or, mm -hmm. or this is any, you know, directly related to anybody, but it almost assumes a surprise of, I didn't expect that to happen. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I, I, think, I think there is that surprise because... Yeah. And, I'm, and, and that's what I'm saying is yeah. I almost wonder, like, why are we surprised that mm -hmm. there was mutual relationship that took place where both people were impacted? You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. And... Um, I'm not offended. <laughs> no, yeah, anything, and I'm not. And I, anything so like I've that. certainly, I've certainly grown a ton from mm -hmm. this experience. But that would be one of the lessons: mm -hmm. is why should I be surprised when, you know? And and first of all, it's not about me feeling good. I mm -hmm. think there's a and listen, I'm a very prideful person. Like I still struggle with ego and always will. You know, it's a very normal thing. But. Uh, Part of it is even a deeper level of humility, maybe to understand like uh, it's not about what I get out of it, mm -hmm. you know. And again, I'm not saying that's what you're saying, but yeah. you know, so it's not about that. But also, 
what, again, why am I surprised when yeah. another human being has taught me something or I had something to learn? And yeah. I think your whole, your point of us even having that mentality goes back to the mentality we probably had to begin with, which is thinking more about what am I going to give rather than what's the mutual exchange that's going to take place. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about affordable Christmas and kind of what that is and how that got started or how you got to be a part of it. Sure. So affordable Christmas ties back to Mission St. Louis, which uh, is where I learned of the concept to begin with, which they even got it from uh, Bob Lupton, uh, FCS in Atlanta. FCS Ministries, I believe is the name of it. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. But um, Bob Lupton wrote a book called Toxic Charity. And Affordable Christmas and Laundry Project both, to be clear, are two of those ideas that who knows where they started, you know? Like we share ideas, people adapt them to look differently. But um, the reason I bring up that connection is I do want to talk a little bit about Toxic Charity, but Affordable Christmas, uh, I read about it in a book called For the City by uh, Darren Patrick and and Matt Carter. Um, And uh, so I I contacted, similar to what I did with Current Initiatives, I contacted Josh Wilson, who is the director of Mission St. Louis, and I said, I love what you guys are doing with this particular initiative. I love what you guys are doing as a community-based organization in general, how you're, you know, helping families with education, empowering families. Can I come out and spend time? And so in 2012, I hopped on a train uh, at 2 in the morning in Alliance on Amtrak and ended up in St. Louis 29 hours later, uh, wow. <laughs> literally. I've always wanted to ride on a train. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was quite an experience. Uh, but I went there, and that's why I learned about Affordable Christmas. And essentially what Affordable Christmas is, uh, it's, it's a real practical way to – and what I always tell people, too, with charity is I don't think it has to be these massive overhauls. I think there are little tweaks that can happen to make – some of the vehicles we're using a lot more empowering and a lot more dignifying. Mm -hmm. And the tweak with affordable Christmas was let's not just give toys away because they wrote about this, uh, in that book for the city. And I experienced it growing up with my own mom, my own family, to be quite honest. But, uh, so I'll just personalize it. You know, my mom would get free gifts at Christmas, um, from different charitable organizations and, Listen, it was. I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna talk bad about someone's intentions mm-hmm. um, with these things, you know. So the intention was good, help this family out. But mm-hmm. she, it was still devastating to her because what she was looking for ultimately was the chance to be able to provide for her kids, mm-hmm. you know. To uh, mm-hmm. Christmas, you know, it wasn't just about uh, get them what they want, you know. It was about her dignity, her sense of self worth as a parent. How can I provide? So they wrote about in this book, you know, they started noticing they would drop all these gifts off to people and the dads would be hiding in the back. And, you know, uh, I'm certain if my dad was around, he would have been hiding in the back, you know, because it, it's a real hit to the pride. So they said, and, and then we, we adapted it, you know, let's set up a Christmas program where families can come to affordable Christmas. They can shop with a personal shopper. So just have a normal shopping experience like you would at any store. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can get gifts at a reduced cost, so roughly a tenth of the cost. They can get things like bikes and tablets and skateboards and stuff like that Hmm. that are really a game changer for the family. And they can have refreshments, and there's a whole community event surrounding it. Uh, And we get the families for affordable Christmas referred to us by partner organizations in the community because they know their families, they're connected to them on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And affordable Christmas, in that sense, highlights what is one of our really big values uh, with current initiatives uh, and especially with what we do in Ohio, which is that partnership with other community organizations. Because you talk about that word family and we talk about the end goals of dignity and empowerment. I think I'm a firm believer uh, and always will be one of the best ways to accomplish that is, you know, it takes a village. So as much as we want to create family in an individual sense, Mm -hmm. I see that in a community sense. How can organizations partner and work together uh, to meet the holistic uh, needs for families? So that's a big part of what Affordable Christmas does. And we work, and I'll just mention, we work pretty closely with Third Street Community Church and the Martin Center and so many other great organizations, so many others. But uh, they kind of host it and, uh, you know, um, help make it happen. And it's just, it's our 
oh man, what is it? Like our seventh year doing it maybe, sixth or seventh year, and it just mm-hmm. gets better every year. So. so talk a little bit more about this idea of toxic charity because, you know, most people are probably thinking charity. I mean, if it's charity, it should be good. So talk to us a little bit more about like toxic charity and what exactly it is. <clears throat> yeah, so again, Bob Lupton, uh, he wrote the book Toxic Charity, and it was a really big influence for me and still is because his basic, you know, his thesis, um, as, as I saw it, was so much of what we just blindly do with charity to help people. If you take a magnifying glass to it or you take a closer look, you know, it was basically asking the question, how much of it is actually harmful to people? So not harmful in the sense of, you know, obviously you're not just, you're not physically hurting people. You're not, you know, you know, hopefully, you know, in most cases you're not setting out to hurt people by any means. There mm-hmm. is always good intentions. You'd be hard pressed to find anyone involved with charity or that started a charity to say, yeah. I had bad intentions, you know, and certainly those people exist, but you know what I mean? Like there's always a good yep. intention behind it. So yeah, most people aren't going out thinking, you know what, I'm giving this to actually hurt these people or to right. hinder these people. Yeah, not at all. Right. We're doing it because we genuinely want to help. Yep. And so for me, it's like, let's start with that. Great. Mm-hmm. Let's start with, and this is part of that, that knowledge action dynamic. Let's start with, and for me, all this started with compassion. You know, we see the problem, we see the issue, we see what's happening in someone's life. Mm-hmm. It, it tugs on our heartstrings, it hurts, we feel pain for them, we see the injustice. Great. I affirm that compassion in people. Let's start with compassion. But I think from there, as we have that compassion, as we move out to take action, I think even more so we have to couple our heads and our hearts. You know, so to me, it's not enough just to have a heart for something per se, but I have to attach my head to it and think, okay, if my goal is to see this happen for this community or this family or whatever, you know, what is the best way to get there? And not just what's the best way to get there, but what's the best way to empower the family to be their own solution in a manner of speaking? Mm -hmm. Like you you were talking about with the Christmas gifts. Absolutely, yeah, because families, they they are literally the ones providing for their kids. I am Mm -hmm. not providing for their kids. The parents get to be the hero. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I want to see in the narrative of charity is how can we set it up, again, maybe make small tweaks, whatever, but how do we set it up so that at the end of the day, we're not the heroes, but the people we want to help are the heroes. Mm -hmm. What do you think stops or, you know, what are the challenges towards people, you know, getting, just getting involved and like living out, you know, the stuff that they know to do. Yeah, man, there's so many obstacles. Uh, there Certainly there are ones like selfishness or uh, maybe just ignorance, maybe not aware of a problem or aware of a solution, things like that. It's easy, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm right there with people. It's easy to get caught up in your own problems or your own life or, that, or that kind of have tunnel vision in that way. But as I've experienced it, I think more often than not, people are are willing i i just think there's a lot of insecurity that comes into play i think there's a lot of you know there's a there's a company called giant worldwide uh steve cockrum and jerry kubachek uh that i've had the pleasure of meeting steve a few times and they have a great podcast and a great network and stuff but um they talk about this concept of know yourself to lead yourself and i think in a lot of ways, it starts with that self-awareness piece. I, I don't think it's malicious intent. I think genuinely that a lot of people aren't aware of what they have to offer other people. Mm-hmm. I think they feel insecure about it. I think they feel insecure about what are my gifts, what are my passions, what are my strengths, and then connecting that to how can that make a difference in someone else's life. And like we were talking about earlier, the problem can seem so overwhelming uh, that apathy and depression start to set in. So I think there's a lot. I think the main thing is again not malicious intent it's i just don't know or i don't feel equipped to handle this or i didn't grow up like that i've not experienced that situation and what i always say to those people is uh you 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 are needed you know so so the families we help you are needed the people that you know want to help you are needed everyone's needed it takes a community it takes us knowing ourselves and knowing our gifts and our strengths and our weaknesses and our passions and having the confidence that 
you know what? I should put myself out there. I should try. I should not be afraid to fail because uh, the world needs my uniqueness, needs my original voice, needs my heart, you know? And then while we're out there doing it, realizing the same thing for other people, I need what they have to offer, mm-hmm. uh, if that makes sense. And, and honestly, I see that as being the biggest barrier, you know, is just that, that insecurity about what I have to offer or maybe a lack of awareness about it to begin with. So what advice would you give to someone who's kind of sitting on the sidelines, but they're thinking, you know what, maybe, maybe I want to get involved. What advice would you give them? Do it. I know that's simple, but just try, fail. Don't worry about, you know, well, I mean, think, think things through, you know, don't be just so impulsive that you, but that's where that balance comes into play of I can learn all day long and see what's going on all day long and think through it and uh, we become self-paralyzing you know we and I'm guilty of this all the time we we overanalyze we think through things so much that we become paralyzed and sometimes it is necessary just to step out and engage and that's what I would say like to me I mentioned earlier I think God uh, to quote John Foreman I think God is a God of the present tense you know I think God is a God that engages Uh, my viewpoint is that if, if we really believe that Jesus is the Lord of all, you know, he's gone before us. He's the Lord of that community. He's Lord of the lives of the people we care about. So if Jesus is already the primary one that's uh, on mission, so to speak, or engaging with people, for me, it's as simple as I have to be attentive and aware of what the Holy Spirit's doing and be willing to just engage with that. And even if you're not religious, you know, or anything like that, it's still just being present with people it's engaging it's stepping out and saying i'm gonna get it wrong i'm gonna fail i'm gonna make mistakes but i just need to put myself in the space to do it you know Mm -hmm. awesome well hey Corey, if people want to you know learn from more from you if they want to get involved with current initiatives you know how can they do that sure absolutely so uh kind of with both organizations i'm really a part of right now so if they want to get involved with current initiatives uh so the website for our, our Ohio division is currentofohio.org. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Current of Ohio or Current Initiatives of Ohio. Uh, for, the, for the organization as a whole, it's just Current Initiatives. So engage the current.org, Current Initiatives on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, for First Glance Student Center, uh, you know, First Glance AK on Twitter and Instagram, First Glance on on Facebook, uh, First Glance Student Center on Facebook, and uh, you know, for me personally, it's just Corey Easterday. There's not, thankfully, there's not a whole <laughs> lot of Corey Easterdays in the world, so you won't you won't have a lot of trouble finding that one. But uh, yeah, awesome. Well, hey, thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. You know, coming out of that interview, one of my biggest takeaways from that is you know, just as Nike says it. Just do it. I hate you. That's really the big thing that I take away from it is that, you know, sometimes we have all these excuses and really we just need to dive in and we need to be willing to get our hands dirty and do something. Now on the next episode of the Learner's Corner podcast. Guys, I'm shaking my head at him right now because he he had this big build up to what this takeaway was going to be. And then he, then he gives us Nike just to... Anyways, continue, Caleb, continue. Come on, you know you like that takeaway. It's true. It is true. It is true. But on the next episode of the Learner's Corner podcast, we are going to be talking with Marva Hoops about the power of story. Marva was actually a professor of mine. I had her in college. She works at Malone University in Canton, Ohio. And she is in charge of the Christian Ed program there, meaning that she teaches a lot about how to interact with adolescents, so children and and youth in ministry, and and specifically in a church setting. Now, Marva was a children's pastor um, for over 20 years, close to 30 years, at a church here local to Canton. Awesome lady and awesome person to talk to about story. Really excited for that interview. The best way to make sure that you don't miss our next episode with Marva is by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or our personal favorite podcast player, Overcast. If you want to see some of our key takeaways from this episode, check out our show notes. Now, Caleb Hezekiah Habakkuk 
Jay Mason is the person who actually does the show notes for the podcast. So you should check those out just because of that. For you to find those, you can either swipe over on your podcast player, or if you use Overcast, just hit the little eye icon and swipe over. You'll be able to find them right there. There's tons of really cool stuff in there. For one, you can see any links that might be in the episode from today. I know there's going to be a lot. There's several books that were mentioned. There's actually Amazon links because Caleb's a nerd. There's actual Amazon links. You can buy the books directly from there. The other thing that you can do is you can find um, quotes, tweets, things that you can immediately click on and click the tweets, and you can tweet that junk out right there. Again, check it out because Caleb Hezekiah Habakkuk J. Mason did it. You can also in there find um, a link to our website, which is thelearnerscornerpodcast.simplecast.fm. You can actually see our, our pictures there. If you go to that, you can see our pictures, you see our beautiful faces right there. Check us out in the show notes. Or if you want to partner with Corey and Kurt Initiatives, you can check out our show notes and find this website there as well. If this podcast has helped you in any way, you can show your appreciation by leaving us a rating or writing a review of the podcast on iTunes. It's one of the best ways that you can help us get out the message of the Learner's Corner in ways that we can continue to learn from one another. And remember, check out citizensakron.com if you want any more information on Together Conference. Propaganda, Taylor Gray, and Brian Kunkler are all going to be people that are going to be there. Check them out. You can also tell us what you're learning about on social media by liking our Facebook page, following us on Instagram at The Learner's Corner, or hit us up on Twitter at our handle at Learner's Podcast. Until next time, keep learning and keep growing. Deuces. Deuces.